0: Canada curious, this is the Yes We Canada podcast, the progressives guide to getting the fuck out. On this episode, Prince Edward Island and Nova Scotia.
1: Hi, I'm Matt Zimbel in Montreal.
0: Hello, bonjour, good day. I'm Mio Edelman in Toronto. Um... Did you shut off your furnace, Mio? Yeah, and I'm freezing, Matt. Thank you very much.
1: That's how dedicated we are. We shut off our furnaces in the middle of the winter, a Canadian winter, so your podcast is studio-like quiet, and you can safely immigrate to Canada. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, an inhalation affirmation yeah. from Mio. Yeah. This is the absolute perfect ideal segue into our story about Prince Edward Island. The home of the inhalation affirmation, no?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. And we'll have more about the inhalation uh, affirmation, including a little tutorial on how to do it. Uh, But let's get you up to speed on the island. Nestled in the warm waters of Canada's Gulf of St. Lawrence is a little piece of heaven known as Prince Edward Island.
0: Prince Edward Island is Canada's smallest province with a scant 142,000 people. And to be precise, it is 151 miles long by 37 miles wide at its largest point, at its widest point, and 2.5 miles at its most narrow. It is on the east coast of Canada, surrounded by water, just like, I don't know, every other freaking island on Earth. And
1: this is where the international best-selling novel Anne of Green Gables takes place. Set in rural PEI in 1887, Anne is the story of a red-haired teenage orphan girl who gets adopted by an aging spinster brother and sister
0: couple named Matthew and Marilla. A boy's what we wanted. They had requested a boy from the orphanage to help them with the farm chores. Of course, there's a... Where's Matthew going and why is he going there? (laughs) Matthew Cuthbert never, never goes anywhere. (laughs) We are singing songs from the musical adaptation of the book Anna Green Gables. And the problem is that Matthew and Marilla had requested a boy from the orphanage to help with the farm chores. Of course, there's a mix-up. And instead of sending a boy, the orphanage sends Anne with an E as she likes to be known. Now, Anne is chatty, feisty, determined, and full of pluck. Just your kind of
1: American exceptionalist gal. She is. The story is very touching, and Anne has become an iconic hero to young women for more than a century, especially
0: Japanese women. Because the book was written in 1908. And one thing that will strike you is how much language has changed in this century. Check out this sentence from Chapter 3, when spinster Marilla realizes that her brother Matthew brought home a girl and not the expected boy.
1: Marilla came briskly forward as Matthew opened the door. But when her eyes fell on the odd little figure in the stiff, ugly dress, with the long braids of red hair and the eager, luminous eyes, she stopped short in amazement. Matthew Cuthbert? Who's that? Where's the boy?
0: She ejaculated. <laughs> she ejaculated. That is terrible. Is that, have you been reading the porn version of that book? Oh no, my god. No, that look, I swear oh, to God. Oh, are you, you serious? Get... That's that's an actual quote? Absolutely. Oh my god. Okay. You um, mind. <laughs> Dude, well,
1: hang on. Whoa, hey, whoa.
0: Maybe as- just back it up. <laughs> maybe because of that language, Anna Green Gables went on to sell over 50 million copies to, <laughs> uh, to lonely women girls all over the world, making it one of the best-selling books of all time anywhere. And you guys should know that we- On Yes We Canada, we do not count the
1: Bible on the list of bestsellers because those Gideon motherfuckers keep trying to get their numbers
0: up on Amazon by leaving their books in motels for free and does not count. Nielsen does not recognize that kind of underhanded stuff. Now, PEI is known widely for Anna Green Gables, Japanese couples come from all over Japan. <laughs> I was going to say all over the world, come from all over Japan to get married. And I have been in PEI and seen pop up over over a hill, over a dale, a, a, a couple in, in, in marital clothing, uh, holding hands, walking to some sort of altar to get married. And I've seen this many, many times. Um, okay, but so well, well, let me just ask you a question there for a second, because part of your heritage
1: is Japanese. So yes. what do you think the attraction is? Why is there such a connection between Anne of Green Gables and the people of Japan?
0: Well, uh, I think one is the pluck of Anne of Green Gables, which is not a, a stereotypical image of, of Japanese women, although there are plucky Japanese women. Uh, but also just any any place that speaks of space, and green you know as you know many of the cities in japan are very very tight like they're very congested um mm-hmm. i don't know i think it's just very romantic i think i don't know I'm not sure. Like, maybe they really enjoy Raspberry Cordial in PEI or something like that. (laughs) They like to get really wasted on Raspberry Cordial. I have no idea, dude. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the translated books sound like or or read like, so I I don't know. I don't know what they're selling in those books. So, But the the important thing to understand, Matt, having spent a lot of time there, is that PEI is much more than the lovely, picturesque setting of a hit novel. The Island, the Oiland, as locals call it, is where politicians from Upper Canada and Lower Canada convened in Charlottetown, which is the the main city, in September of 1864 with a boatload of champagne and began negotiations that eventually founded the Dominion of Canada in 1867, which is what we know of Canada now, minus a couple provinces. Hence, PEI Mm -hmm. is called the birthplace of confederation.
1: It's a vibrant fishing and farming community, and like every other remote place in the world, it's trying to attract high-tech by creating innovation centers. <laughs> There's an excellent artisanal food movement on the island, and if there is a better cheddar cheese than Avonlea on Earth, I have certainly never tasted it.
0: The cloth-bound cheddar is unbelievable, actually. Unbelievable. Incredible. Parmesan.
1: It's like it's better than Parmesan.
0: And nowhere else do you get to undress your cheese before you eat it. That's um, true. It's a great point. So Highlanders, as a result, Islanders are fiercely proud people. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Should Thank you decide? You. I,
1: practiced.
0: <laughs> I practiced before. Well, the wait show. a second, you grew up there. So of course, like this is sort of bread in the bone. Um, yeah. yeah. But for the listeners, should you decide to move to PEI, there are a number of language effectuations that may surprise you. Like there's definitely some regionalisms that you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I did
1: grow up there from, I was, think I was 14 when I got there, right? Yeah. So before yep. that, I was in New York. I didn't know how to do. <gasps> okay. <laughs> so it was like inst- John Travolta had come to the island. That's right. <laughs> Instead of saying yes or right or affirmative or yup, a true islander will take in a very short gasp of breath like this. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. When you first yeah. start doing this, it's going to, it's not going to go well. It's going to be like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. fuck. Almost choked. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, you might vomit; it's risky. Yeah, you I might remember choke, my actually. brothers and sister and I would be like, yeah yeah, yeah, "Yeah, yeah." It was the inhalation affirmation. So let's just do it one more time and to give you a nice, clean one here. So you got so it, and so everybody knows what it is. It's like, ask me a question, Mio. Y- you seen that hockey game last night, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Something, maybe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there you go. The non-verbal yes. Now, when you first arrive, you'll think that, wow, this is so cool. I want to be cool like everybody else on the island. And you'll get this gulpy, sippy inhalation affirmation, but it will sound like I just explained to you. It will be <sighs> kind of like... <clears throat> It'll take a while to master, but it is an essential part of speaking PEI. Other lingual ticks of note included the term guan, which is uh, the contracted go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Boy is pronounced by uh-huh. and wash has an R in it. Warsh. As in gonna wash the dishes
0: by go, go on is um is like a, a, a disbelief, right? It isn't go on and do something.
1: That's that's good point, yes. I, I I've led them astray. <laughs> Did you wash the dishes by? Go on. No you didn't. Come on. <laughs> now, I remember once when I was a young man, I, I met this, this girl in Bonshaw, PEI. Oh, and Bonshaw. She had a great expression. She says, Geez, bye. Drink one beer, piss three.
0: That was <laughs> her mouth. This is a classy date. Okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the official cut line for the tiny island is the mighty island. I've, I've never heard that, but that was likely written by a slick, creative type in New York. Because though islanders are proud, they are also very modest. And the word mighty. Is not in the island vocabulary. PEI is
1: separated from the mainland New Brunswick by a body of water called the Northumberland Strait. The water is heated by the Gulf Stream, making it one of the warmest bodies of water in the Atlantic north of Virginia. The Strait is filled with lobsters, the island is filled with butter and potatoes. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Well, actually, you
0: You, might end up... You should work as a marketing whiz for PEI. I think I could. I I love that place. Potatoes and butter. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) That's right.
1: Actually, there is something that could go wrong. You might have to humiliate yourself by wearing one of those stupid fucking lobster bibs. But that, my friend, is small potatoes. Oh, yeah. And while we're talking small islands and small potatoes, let me give you another small tip. And it's kind of counterintuitive for an American. Because you people, you people like everything huge. Your restaurant portions are obscene. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've seen lobsters in your restaurant lobster tanks bigger than newborn babies. Take it from both of us. We've actually lived on the island. To eat the lobster of a lifetime, you need to get the fisher folk to sell you what's called canners. You remember canners, Mio?
0: I I do. There used to be a place actually near Bonshaw that had all-you-can-eat lobster nights, and they were all canners. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And and the thing about the the canner is the lobster is under one pound. They're like little lobster veals, if you want. And they're the tastiest... (laughs) They're the tastiest, <laughs> sweetest lobsters you've ever
0: eaten. Yes, but a lot of work because they're not a ton of No, medium. no, it's true. It is a little bit of labor, but boy, it, it does
1: pay off because once you taste a, 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 a canner, you, you, you'll think you've tasted the first lobster of your life. Once you learn the canner trick, you'll become a wharf hound. And one last lobster tip. You want your lobster cold and your butter hot, bye? Get a tin can, put a half a pound of butter in the can, Cover the can with tinfoil. Wedge the can in the engine of your car near the manifold where it's hot. Drive to the beach. Have a picnic. If this is a date, it will work. Trust me, way better than Tinder.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's so addictive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have, I have one more lobster tip. <laughs> lobster is a great dish for our Americans because this little bug-like crustacean is really the embodiment of the American dream. Mm-hmm. If there ever was a food that pulled itself up by its bootstraps and made something of itself, it's lobster. Which we rank just below caviar as perhaps the most bougie food of all. But it wasn't always like that. You see, in the 1800s, lobsters were so plentiful, you didn't even need traps.
1: you just go down the shore, grab one of those fuckers, and eat it. It was so commonplace, in fact, that it used to be served to prisoners. It was called the cockroach of the sea, and for obvious reasons. The local lore on PEI, which is, of course, not true, is that there is a law that prohibits lobster being served to prisoners more than three times a week. Dogs, Block B, cell 5! Yes! Might you bring us more drawn butter? Be a good sport and throw in one of those darling little bibs, would you? cheerio
0: <laughs> More than 3 times a week, that is imprisonment if I if I ever heard of it. <laughs> but, but Matt, um did you know I like on a similar note, um there used to be so much lobster that farmers used to use it uh, as fertilizer in, in their soil. And as a result, mm-hmm. poor people ate a lot of lobster. And, and therefore, not a lot of people from those humble beginnings even have had lobster anymore because there's such a negative association with it.
1: Well, you know, that's the, just that cultural thing about food is, is so interesting because I know that like in Canada, for example, lamb has never been very popular. Mm-hmm. And they tried to find out why that was. And the reason is, is that... Way back in World War I, when the British were feeding Canadian soldiers overseas, they were serving them this boiled mutton. And that's mm. what they would eat all the time. Boiled mutton, boiled mutton. So when the soldiers came back, even though this is in the beginning of the, you know, the 1900s, they're like, oh, no, we're not having lamb. That's not, bleh, that's mutton. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that, that kind of cultural continuation of, um, of food traditions is fascinating.
0: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Well, maybe Mutton should have done what Lobster did in the 1850s or so, uh, because Lobster hired a New York publicist and rebranded. And now it's only served in (laughs) Canadian prisons on Wednesdays during (laughs) surf and turf nights. So who says crime doesn't pay in Canada? As we said, PEI is the birthplace
1: of Confederation. And one of the conditions of PEI joining Confederation of Canada was that the federal government guaranteed it would provide a ferry service from New Brunswick across the eight miles of the Northumberland Strait. In 1917, they also introduced an ice-breaking service so that in the winter, they would be able to get to the island. Oftentimes in the winter, the weather was so bad that the ferry service was cancelled, prompting the self-effacing islanders to proclaim, ''The mainland's been cut off from us again!''
0: Do you know how many hot chicken sandwiches I've had on that, on the board and ferry? Ooh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. are so good. They're so great. Um, in a 1988 referendum, the government of PEI asked the people if they'd like to replace the ferry with a bridge. A huge and passionate debate ensued with those seeking progress on one side and those hoping to preserve what was quaintly called the oil and way of life on the other. Hey, well done. That's really a good act. That was good, yeah. right? Progress won with
1: 60%. $1.3 One point three billion and four years of construction later, one of the longest bridges in the world finally connects the rest of the world to Prince Edward Island at last. Huh. What is the island way of life, you might ask? Yeah. And how <laughs> can I get some? <laughs> well, the island way of life was once described to me like this. In New York, they need it yesterday. In Toronto, they need it tomorrow. In PEI, they need it. First of the week.
0: Yeah. 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 Protecting the island way of life is a DNA issue. If you're not born on the island, one is and forever will be from away. So this is a very important distinction. You need to know that as an immigrant, you will be warmly welcomed, but you'll never truly belong. Only place of birth gets you into that exclusive club. Confirmation of this was evident in a newspaper obituary from the local paper, the Charlottetown Guardian. And the headline blared... Man from Boston
1: dies here. William Monroe Declan, 94, died at home from natural causes last night, surrounded by his family. Mr. Declan moved to Prince Edward Island from Boston when he was three. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, since you're new to the area, we want you to experience some of that good old-fashioned island way of life feeling. So, we're going to point you to the east coast of PEI and put you on the Wood Islands Ferry, from Wood Islands to Caribou, Nova Scotia. It's a 75-minute voyage, and on a warm, sunny, summer day, heavenly way to get rid of 75 minutes. And when you get to the other side, you will be in Nova Scotia, which is where we're going now.
1: As I got older, I started to realize stuff about myself. When I turned 45, I realized that I had never met a Nova Scotian that I didn't like. Actually, there was that one woman at the airport, but turned out she was from New Brunswick. (laughs) I got to know a lot of Nova Scotians. When I lived in PEI, I would go to Halifax, population 435,000, as much as possible. To me, it was like the big city. Unlike the rest of the Maritimes, Nova Scotia has a black community uh, because of the Underground Railroad. And with a black community comes better food, better music, and better fashion. There was also an art college, so Halifax was exciting when I was 17 years old, and it remains so today. As a port city, there are so many bars that one downtown street is known
0: as the Liquor Mall. They actually had... You know that at one point, when the when that Liquor Mall was fully up and running, they had more bars per square capita than any other place on Earth, apparently. Is that right? That, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. As a port city with a naval base... I didn't know that. Halifax has a fascinating and explosive nautical backstory. On December 6, 1917, two ships collided in the harbor. And one of them was carrying munitions for the French in World War I, and it exploded. Creating the largest human-made explosion in history prior to the atomic bomb. 1,600 people died instantly and 9,000 were injured 300 of whom later died. Get this, this is crazy. A 60 foot tsunami was created, and everything within a 1.6 mile radius of the explosion was destroyed or damaged. You can read a remarkable account of what is known as the Halifax explosion, written by author Hugh McLennan, who survived the blast in his book Barometer Rising. Now, Nova Scotia is a lot more than
1: an explosion in Halifax, as tragic as that was. Nova Scotia, in fact, means New Scotland, and it's Canada's second smallest province after PEI. There's a lot of American expats here and many stunningly beautiful places to live. The joint appears to be pretty well run, but getting a family doctor in Nova Scotia is not that easy. Although, on the good side, you may not need one because at one point during the pandemic, Nova Scotians, proudly boasted that the whole of Nova Scotia had fewer cases of COVID than Donald Trump's White House. (laughs) It's ridiculous. If you like fishing, then Nova Scotia is the place for you. I was in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia a few years ago, and I saw this note on the community billboard. Man seeks wife with boat and motor. Please send photo of boat and motor. (laughs)
0: Nova Scotia is where you're going to find lobsters big enough for your big American appetite. In fact, the biggest lobster on record ever was caught in Nova Scotia. The Guinness Book of World Records confirmed that it weighed 44.4 pounds and answered to the name Greg. Pound for pound, that's a lot of lobster in the pound. And we'll see you next week.